Welcome to the Leading International School Teams podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Burnest. Each episode is designed for administrators, teachers, and others in the international school world to be able to share stories, experiences, and innovative ideas that are taking place around the world. Additionally, I hope to be able to share some personal stories of success and some struggles that I've faced along the way. From time to time, I hope to have some special guests who will also be able to share their stories. My goal for each episode is to create an ongoing discussion about how we as educators can create meaningful growth experiences for international school communities. The list for each episode will consist of three parts, the warm-up, the main event, and the cool-down. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. All right, team, bring it in. Glad you're here. It's time to do the warm-up. The book that I remember most from my childhood is called The Little Mouse, The Red Ripe Strawberry, and The Big Hungry Bear. I think that this book was read to me over and over again. And also to my sister, who's three years younger than I am. My sister, who is an elementary school librarian in Mississippi, also remembers this book. And I'm fairly certain that she can quote the book word for word with the sound effects and emotion. I haven't read this book in years, but it still has space in my memory. I remember the pictures, and I remember the emotions I felt while reading that book. I'm beginning to understand children's books from a completely different perspective as a parent. Joshua, our two-year-old, always gets to choose a book for bedtime. He has his favorites, but he does vary his choice from night to night. Just recently, I had the privilege to meet visiting author John Coy at AISD. John agreed to join the podcast to discuss being a visiting author at an international school. At the end of our recording, John presented me with a book to give to Joshua. He even took the time to sign it. This book has become a go-to selection for Joshua, and I'm beginning to think of this book similarly to the book about the little mouse from my childhood. These times with Joshua are special, and I'm grateful for John Coy for helping provide Joshua with a new bedtime story. In my conversation with John, we explore some of his stories about being a visiting author and we discuss the benefit of having a visiting author at an international school. Now that we're stretched and ready to go, let's jump into the main event. Hey, it's game time. This is what you came here for. This is the main event. Welcome to the main event of the Leading International School Teams podcast. Today we have visiting author John Coy um, from Minnesota joining us. It's a a privilege uh, for you to join us on the podcast and to join us at AISD this week. Thank you for coming. Oh, Caleb, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, John Coy has been an author for years and years and years. And um, his first published book, Night Driving, came out 2015. 
five years ago. Is that a close guess? Close, 1996. Um, Since then, he's continued to write uh, children's picture books. He's got a four for four series in the middle grades, and he also writes some young adult literature novels. Um, And we've been blessed to have him here at uh, AISD all week, just sharing about the work that he does as an author. Um, but then also working with our students on how they can become better writers and maybe uh, how they can become better readers and get more out of literature. Um, He also does this really neat thing where he uh, is talking about one of his books, but then they go and explore in the gym um, about the original rules of basketball. And we'll get into some of that later in the show. Um, So one thing I want to ask you, John, is just like your path from being a student to an author. Maybe you can speak to some of that. Um, and then we'll get into some of your books and your other projects you've been working on. Sure. I, you know, I always tell the kids that when I was in school, we never, ever had a visiting author come talk to us. I never saw that. It was never modeled for me. I never had a teacher say, you could be an author. I never had a librarian say, you could be an author. My mom didn't say that. My dad didn't say it. So. I grew up not thinking that that was a choice I had. And one of the reasons I like in coming to talk with kids so much is for them to see that if they like stories, if they like writing, this is something that's available for them. So it wasn't until I was a dad and I was reading a lot of books with my daughter when she was little that I started to think, hmm, I wonder if I could write a picture book. And then I started to think, if I did, what would it be? And I was lucky enough that uh, I took a class and we were asked to write a story. And the first story I wrote was Night Driving. And I had not been a writer before that. I was 32 when I wrote that first draft of Night Driving. And Caleb, I'm absolutely positive that if I would have had the experience when I was a student of having a young author or of having an author visit, that I would have started writing earlier. Sure. And it's one of the reasons I like sharing that. Sure. One of the things that I appreciate whenever you had uh, the assembly with our middle school students that I was able to be a part of um, was just talking about the idea of having a story, whether you're making it up or whether there's some personal connection to something that happened in your life. um, And just being able to kind of take a story that's in your head, put it on paper, and it's going to be messy. It's going to be a draft whenever you first start it out. Um, and then talking to our kids about what's the process of getting a book published. And, and sometimes the answer is no, right? Yes. And, and you shared that. And, and not everybody's going to like every story. Yep. And one of the things, John, is uh, about this podcast is it's all about sharing stories. Yes. So whether they're my stories or your stories or other stories from international educators around the world. So I love the fact that you're on the show talking about uh, your story as your path to get to being an author, but then also your stories that maybe you're about to talk about with some of the books that you've written. I love that you mentioned um, that it, it started for you out of being a dad, right? Yep. Um, I'm also a dad. I have a two-year-old. Um, and, you know, we read books from time to time. And even my two-year-old... Uh, understanding the story element, no, but he can look at it and he can go, dog, you know, or whatever. Um, And I love the fact that you started with, you know, what would a picture book be like? Um, And then, of course, you've explored other areas of writing. And I'd love to be able to talk about some of your projects and some of your books and maybe even some things that you're working on now. Sure. I've um, I've got two new books coming in the spring, which I'm excited about. Um, The first one is called If We Were Gone, And it starts out by exploring the idea of we need air, we need water, we need plants. But then the question in the book is, do they need us? And it's a 
It's a, an exploration of what would happen to the earth if people were gone. Mm. And we're so focused on ourselves as a species that sometimes we talk about changes in the climate or changes in the world uh, entirely from a human perspective and act like that is the one standard. And so mm. this is a book that just takes time to go through what would happen if people weren't here. Sure. And then ends with, um, ends with some questions about how um, if we need these things and they don't need us, maybe we need to start making some changes. Yeah, absolutely. And that will come out for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Oh, that's pretty neat. And one of the fun things in there, in the back of the book, there is a picture of an Earth Day button, and that was my button at the first Earth Day when I was a kid. Oh, that's so neat. that's a really nice connection. That's neat. The second is um, a book on fathers. We were just okay. talking about fathers. Yeah. I'm incredibly impressed with how much fatherhood has changed in a relatively short period of time. Sure. Um, and I wanted to do something to celebrate fathers. The text is very simple. It's about things fathers do, and it's photographs with Wing Young Huey, who I collaborated with on their great gift. So this is our second collaboration. Okay, fun. I love how it turned out, and that'll be out for Father's Day of 2020. And what's the title of that one? Title of that one, Dads. It's pretty simple, yeah? Pretty, pretty simple. Straight, straight we tried a lot of different ones, and we ended up with Dads. Perfect. <laughs> um, one book that I know that uh, we've explored, um, especially this week in middle school and high school, and then maybe you've done it with maybe the elementary, um, is Hoop Genius. Yes. Um, I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, maybe the inspiration for writing that particular book. Um, and then uh, after the break, we'll get into maybe some of the things that we did with that book this week with students. Sure. Um, I, when I was a boy, the story of James Naismith inventing basketball was around. A lot of us knew that story. But when I talked with kids, I found they didn't know that story anymore. So I really wanted to share it. James Naismith, just a remarkable guy. He he dropped out of school as a young man after being an orphan, but then ended up going back to school and getting three advanced degrees. Mm. And he, he invented basketball because he believed that if you came up with the right activity, uh, students would be interested. Mm. And I was fascinated by the process by which he invented it. I, the more research I did, the more interesting I became in him. I went to his hometown where he'd grown up. I went to Springfield, Massachusetts, where he invented it. And that book, we were talking about rejections earlier, it got rejected 12 times. Mm. And I kept sticking with it because I just really liked the story. And then Publisher 13 said yes. Sure. And just terrific illustrations by Joe Morse. And um, I'm just thrilled to have that story of uh, James Naismith and the invention of basketball. And there's even some uh, parallels with your journey of going through 12 publishers to get to someone who would actually say yes and agree with the book. And, and even James Naismith, like, what's the right game for these guys to play? And then coming up with his own and kind of tweaking. And um, there's elements of perseverance in the story that parallel our own lives and lessons we can take away. Um, but then also just the simplicity of understanding how the game even came in. Um, it was a fun book for you to be able to share with our students. Um, and then just the takeaways that they were able to get from the book. Um, you even mentioned them in your own personal life, which is a, which is a neat thing. 
Yeah, I didn't realize till I started reading that book to students how much James Naismith's process of trying things, failing, trying, failing, trying, failing. I didn't realize how much it was like the writing process till I started reading it. And I'm sure that was part of my attraction to that story. Sure. And um, yeah, that's really fun to make the parallels that you're just noting. Perfect. Uh, John, that's going to take us to our halftime break. Um, whenever we come back from the break, uh, we'll talk a little bit about how we've used that book with students uh, this week and how I was able to be a part of uh, that fun learning experience for students. Um, we'll get into some other things that you've done with our students this week. And then lastly, we'll just kind of close it down with um, you visiting international schools, lessons that we as educators can learn from a visiting author. Um, but then ultimately also um, what international schools can expect from John Coy coming to visit. So we'll be back after the break. Great. Hey team, it's halftime. And I want to say that I am excited that you're taking time to join us on the Leading International School Teams podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and on the web at leaninginternationalschoolteams.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into the second half. And we're back. Uh, once again, we're with visiting author John Coy. Um, right before the break, we were talking about your book, Hoop Genius, um, to where you detailed um, how basketball was created by Dr. James A. Smith. Um, one of the neat experiences that I was able to be a part of this week is you actually uh, gathered middle school and high school students in the gym uh, after school. Uh, you read the book, you explain how basketball is different today than it was when it was originally created. Um, the rules were different, and maybe you can get into maybe some of what those rules are. But then we actually took time to play the original rules basketball. Um, and it was fun to see kids from grade 6 all the way up to like grade 12 uh, in the gym playing original rules basketball. Um, can you talk about like how maybe you developed that particular learning experience in relation to the book? because um, it was really neat to be a part of. Yeah, it's, it's been so exciting. And international schools are at the core of that experience. I found international schools, um, the PE teachers, being more open to the idea that books and PE go together rather than being things that are traditionally kept apart. Mm -hmm. So the first times... Um, I played original bas rules basketball with students happened in international schools. Sure. And one of the things I love about it is students have to pay attention to what those original rules were. And like you said, they're substantially different. There's no dribbling at all. Mm -hmm. So it's passing, 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 and it results in a much more cooperative game. Sure. And you could see how kids are figuring it out as they play, that if I go over to the side, there's more space, maybe mm -hmm. throwing it right into the middle isn't the best thing. I mean, you were outstanding when you joined <laughs> the game. And we had, a, we had a game that went down to the wire. And, you know, today I was just playing it with fifth graders. And it was three to three. Mm -hmm. And we had one minute left. Perfect. And I thought, okay, this is a good time to gather up to talk about it. And they said, oh, can't we keep playing? Got to have a winner. <laughs> they responded identically to the way the people had in the book. Sure, like yeah. they just fell in love with it. And a number yeah. of them said that they wanted 
you know, that they preferred playing it that way. And so one of the things I really love with it is the idea that books go into every classroom. Mm. And one of them is the gym. And we can read a book, we can play. Those kids who got a chance to play original rules basketball understand that book in a different way sure. than someone who just reads it. Because sure. they've had that physical experience of it. And so I love bringing those things together. Yeah. I, I love the authentic nature of that learning experience. And I remember growing up as a kid, you know, we had basketball, we had football, we had baseball, and we'd go to different people's places or houses to play those games. Yeah. But often we got bored yeah. with those games, and we started like creating our own games, and then um, we tweaked them from time to time to make sure they were fair or like to add another element. And I feel like Dr. Naismith did the same thing. We're Absolutely. trying to get it right. Um, and kids, by playing the game, then perhaps even understand like the nature that the game evolved to what they play today. And yep. you talked about the no dribbling and you talked about one of the rules being, um, you know, no batting the ball, right? And how that particular maybe violation of the rules led to dribbling even today. Yep. Um, and the kids who were there that day, I feel like they have a deeper understanding of not only the game they play, yep. but then also the authentic rules themselves by using Hoop Genius yep. and the evolution itself. And, and so I appreciate that you taking time to give our students that authentic experience of understanding the game and the book itself. Oh, Caleb, I really appreciate that. And, and one of the things that I just loved watching and it was so evident is the kids hear the rules and right away they start thinking, yeah. is there any way to get around How can I manipulate <laughs> Which is exactly what happened. That's right. exactly what happened with the game. And Naismith saw it as something fluid and something that changed. Right. So he, he fully expected that. I, and I, I think kids are constantly thinking of the loopholes, yeah, right? That's right. Aren't we all? That's know? right. That's right. <laughs> um, I want to get into some of the other work that you've done this week. Other than um, some of the bigger assemblies, you've had a chance to work with smaller classes. Yep. Um, and I think elementary school through the high school, you've had a chance to work with some various classes on just the writing process yep. um, or a writing workshop. Um, what are some of the things that maybe you convey to students during those times um, that are takeaways for students or takeaways from teachers and why is that important from a visiting author aspect to work with students in those smaller contexts? It's my favorite thing to do to see students in a, a large group and, and share with them the process I go through as a writer and then to get another chance to work with them by classroom or grade level on their writing. Mm. One of the things I really want to stress with them is that with writing, we're all in this together. Mm. We're all trying to become better writers. And I really want to challenge that notion that some people are good writers and others are not. We all can get better as writers. And one of the things that I really emphasized with them is writing is so different than so much of what they do in school. So much of what they do in school is problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. Mm. And so much of what they do is fast. You touch your screen and you get a new image. Sure. So to work with something that's gonna take some time and to work with something where when we start out, we don't know where we're going to mm. end, that's a little nervous making for sure. some students. And particularly students who are really used to doing things right, sometimes they need almost permission 
to not know where something's going. Mm. So what we were working on was writing a scene, creating characters, uh, choosing a setting, and then writing a scene. And a lot of the students found that when they were writing a scene, they were writing scenes that they thought were kind of boring. Mm. And then we talked about why that was, and we discovered that what was missing was conflict. Right. What was missing was a problem. And that's really interesting because we've done so much work in schools on a, a classroom level, on a personal level, on conflict resolution. Mm. And I think some of that's starting to show up in writing. Sure. So as soon as kids have characters who have a problem, a lot of kids, their tendency is to want to solve it right away and make everybody happy. (laughs) So really working with that, staying with the conflict, pushing the conflict up, realizing that it's a story, and realizing that we're not sure where it's going to go, that it's even going to surprise us as the writer. And kids really, really did well with that. One one of the things I really appreciate in what you said was um, in these workshops, you're giving kids permission mm-hmm. for it not to be perfect. Yep. Um, and even teachers at time, of course, we're assessing, we're grading, and it's on a scale, and they need to be proficient or whatever. Um, but the writing process is a little different. Right? It is. And as we are drafting, it's going to be messy, and it's going to be new. And there's no way in the world that the first draft should ever be the final product. Absolutely. Um, and even as an author, as you get um, letters back from publishers saying, have you thought about this? You know, you need to add some conflict, add some details or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, you are constantly revising until that moment to where it goes to print. But that may be your 20th revision, right? Or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and students, like you said, need to have the permission to go through that process um, without having to be right. I agree with that 100%, Caleb, and I think sometimes a lot of students put way too much pressure on themselves thinking that that first draft has to be at a high standard. That's one thing writers are really good at understanding is that that first draft is not going to be at a high standard. Mm. It's just a first draft. It's just getting started, and then that pulls us into the process. Absolutely. Um, getting into some other aspects, being a visiting author at international school. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've traveled 9,000 miles, 40 hours on a plane, several layovers, jet lag, and then all of a sudden the next day we've got you, you know, at work doing assemblies and workshops. Um, what's the appeal to be a visiting author in an international school um, as opposed to just going around maybe some local public schools only in your hometown in Minnesota. Um, why would a visiting author want to come and be a part of an international school? I think it's so interesting. I think there are some authors who really love it. And there are a lot of authors who don't. Sure. There's a lot of authors who you know put limits on their travel. To me, two of my favorite things in, in the world are traveling to a new place and talking about books. Mm. And that I get to do both of those combined still feels absolutely extraordinary to me. I still can't quite believe it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had such a wonderful time with you here at AISD this week. And, you know, I just checked the weather and it's it's minus 15 back in Minnesota. It's (laughs) going to be minus 20 and snowing. And, you know, I'm thinking... Oh, no wonder I love being here so much. It's a great time of year to travel. It's a great time of the year to travel. In Minnesota, there's like five months that are great times of the year to sure. travel. But I also, think, I also think there's a part for me where I see different students. Mm. You know, 
each international school has a different mix of students. Sure. And I feel like my life has been transformed mm -hmm. by being an author who gets to visit international schools. People are so generous in wanting to share the culture. And I feel like it's just an extraordinary opportunity as an author. And I also feel, going back to what you were saying, as an author, when I come in, I'm not grading. And it provides a chance for some kids to have a completely fresh start. Mm. Inevitably, there are kids who write stuff that's really, really interesting that has been different than what they've been writing. And I think, ideally, that's what's supposed to happen, is things we can't expect, but kids who, for some reason, um, the message resonates in a different way than what they've been hearing from their teacher, even though the message is often a very, very similar right. message. It's just something new for some kids, and some kids just really take off with that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like the teacher aspect of a visiting author, um, I mean, teachers can go different ways with thinking about a visiting author, right? Yep. Just like you said, you can go, yes, yep. there's the outside expert who's going to come in and say all of the things that I've been saying, but a kid will connect yep. to the outside expert. And I'm like, yes, you know, yep. somebody else is coming in with a message and he's done it. He's doing it, right? You know, yep. he's got all these publications and the same thing I'm saying, he's going to say, right? There's also the other side of like teachers who can go, oh, another classroom disruption, right? right. Um, and maybe there's people in between, you know, those two bookends, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I want to ask you a question just from like a, a visiting author to the international school world. All right? yep. You're writing your letter to leaders of international schools at this point. And from a visiting author, like this is what I want you to know about my visit as a visiting author. Maybe you can speak from John Coy or just from any visiting author perspective. But if I'm coming to your school, this is what I want to be able to do with your students. This is what is successful, maybe like a schedule. Maybe the schedule we provided for you this week didn't work. Yeah. But what are some things that you would say to international schools to say, as a visiting author, this is what I would love whenever I come to your school? I think that's such a that's such a great question. I think one of the things that's so important to me is, as a visiting author, I want to build on the work that's being done. I want to I want to take what students are learning and provide ways where they can they can see that that's the same process that I'm using mm -hmm. to write a book. So one of the things I feel real strongly about is that. Visiting authors need to connect what they're presenting with what's happening in the classrooms. Mm. I think it's no longer, I think it's no longer valuable for authors to just kind of come in and talk about themselves. I think authors need to connect their process with that of what the sure. students are doing so that there's a sense of this is something we can refer back to after the visit is over. Okay. And I think that in terms of visiting different schools, um, the thing I found is teachers and librarians listen to other teachers and librarians. Mm, sure. It doesn't matter what I say I do. <laughs> teachers are going to tell other teachers, this person came and it went really well, or this person came and it didn't go so well. Sure. And one of the things as a visiting author, I feel uh, a responsibility is I want every visiting author 
experience to go really well yeah, absolutely. because I want schools to continue to do it. So I tell other authors, do not do this unless mm. you really love doing this sure, yeah. because it, it's important that that standard is set so that it continues to be a positive experience each time for teachers and students in order for it to continue. Right. You, you mentioned how uh, you know, we as a community of international schools, we talk amongst you each talk. other. And then you have your own community of authors and you're talking amongst each other. Um, but I also heard you talk about you know, like making sure that the process of coming to a school uh, is beneficial for both parties. Yep. Um, and I remember you also saying like you coming to AISD, it wasn't like you called up last week and said, hey, can I come? It was a year long process to make sure the timing was right and it was a good fit and it worked out with our schedule. It worked out with what you uh, felt like you could offer to the school. It worked out with what the school felt like they could offer, you know, back to you. Yeah. Um, and engaging in that process creates maybe some long-term partnerships. Absolutely. Um, with the librarian, with the teachers, um, I'll, I'll be quite honest, before this point, I didn't know who John Coy was. Right. But then once I got to the point of knowing the visiting author is coming, looking into some of your books and going, oh, this is a guy that writes sports fiction. I'm a basketball coach. <laughs> yes, you know, we have it. these connections. Um, and so any last thoughts just for international schools or the process maybe this week that you engaged in with our students? I think, I think for international schools, I think it's so valuable to have visiting authors come in because I think it's a way where, um, you know, I'm coming, you know, I'm coming from Minnesota, I'm bringing that, but then there's a way where I'm getting, I'm getting an opportunity to share in what the students and teachers have experienced by being here. Sure, absolutely. So there's a back and forth with that. And then, you know, what I want to do is I want to do some things with students that students are going to remember for a really sure. long time. And the first time I did an author visit, small town in Minnesota, I was working um, with uh, 12th graders. And it was a small town that had an author in every year. And I asked them, you know, about uh, their experience with an author. And the kids raised their hand and they all told me what they'd written about. And it was in third grade nine years earlier wow. and they still remembered what they had written sure. and i just realized oh this has an opportunity to be really significant sure. Absolutely. and so you know the the opportunity uh for international schools to bring in somebody who's going to be a good fit with their culture and then the opportunity for me to share some of the things um, that i go through as a writer when it works together it's just extraordinary yeah and we've had an extraordinary week and I'm just going to float home to chilly Minnesota tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming uh, this week, John, to work with our students. And I appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to put um, the links to your website to where people can kind of see some of your books um, on our website. Um, and definitely we'll continue this conversation for the future. Thank you for being with us this week. Thank you, Caleb. I've really enjoyed it. All right. We're now going to go to the uh, cool down. I appreciate you joining us today on the Leading International School Teams podcast. Um, in just a moment, we'll have some reflection and some debrief um, from our week with John Coy, our visiting author at AISD. Hey team, great work out there today. Now, what can we take away? What can we learn from this experience? What can we use from this podcast? Let's do the cool down.
Sometimes visiting authors can create mixed feelings among faculty members. Some teachers may feel really excited about an expert coming to speak to the kids about reading and writing. The expert says all of the same things that they've been saying, but the students will listen to the expert and the teacher might feel validated. Some teachers might see the visiting author as an interruption to the everyday learning experiences that take place in their classrooms. Most teachers will find themselves somewhere in the middle. But as a school, we must take advantage of these learning opportunities. Whether it's a visiting author, storyteller, or an artist in residence, these professionals offer so much to our students. Their real-world life experience stories will have great impact on the learning experiences that take place during their visit, but also the long-term development of reading, writing, listening, speaking, and playing instruments. One of the tricks to maximize these visits is to prepare the staff for the visit and to engage fully. Don't hold anything back. When we're excited about these visits, it creates energy and our students become excited. Additionally, strive to develop an ongoing partnership with the visitor. Continue to refer back to the lessons that the visiting author or artist provided during their visit. Lastly, keep inviting people. Some of the richest memories of our students come from these visits. I personally will remember the visit from John Coy for a long time. The book that John presented to Joshua is called Vroomaloom Zoom. At the risk of completely spoiling this book for you, there's a father who's taking his little girl for a drive. They drive to various places and perhaps the father's driving with the hope that she might fall asleep. He continually asks her if she's sleepy by asking, Ready? And her response is always, Not yet, Daddy. Keep driving. Joshua has now incorporated this phrase into everyday life. For example, when we're attempting to put clothes on to go out and play, I'll ask him if he's ready. Sometimes his response is, Not yet, Daddy. Keep driving. Until next time, keep leading and keep driving. Thanks for listening to Leading International School Teams podcast. Remember to like, share, and follow the list on Twitter and Facebook. Share the podcast with your friends. If you would like to reach out or comment or give feedback on the show, email me at michaelcalebernest at gmail.com. Until next time, keep leading.